Honey, why do you call him Drop Dead Fred? Because that's his name, Daddy. Like many small children, Lizzie had an imaginary playmate. Drop Dead Fred is going to teach me how to cook today. Someone she could talk to. Sugar? Yeah. <gasps> Someone she could share with. Oh, Grandma Bun! Someone who would never let her down. No more Drop Dead Fred! Now Lizzie is all grown up. To us. And when her perfect life us. fell apart. Charles, I lost my money, my car, my husband. She didn't get mad. Drop dead Fred. She got Fred. Do you think this movie was originally conceived as the story of a female David Berkowitz? Like just as like a, an emotionally disturbed loner, like doing violence yep. on random people at their behest of yep. an imaginary malevolent creature. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. So I think that, and, and also she doesn't go around shooting couples in the face. I mean, not yet, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not yet, but she's not far from it. Like if she doesn't, I do think that drop dead, Fred is like a movie about a, a woman on the precipice. Yes, a right? woman like, on the brink, yes. I would have liked to have seen the drop-dead Fred that was realistic. And I think the realistic version of this is that she's a, a, a serial she killer. She is, a, yeah, a, 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 a complete psychopath serial killer with no regard for anyone else's humanity. Yeah, exactly. Yes. yes. Fred's just going to be like, Fred's going to say that he loves to eat ears and it's very important that they get as many ears as they can for fred to eat you know and then he's gonna be on a wacky quest to get as many ears as possible fred's gonna be like do you feel bad well you might want to eat human flesh mm, yum 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 that mega bitch doesn't deserve to live mm, i want to take a bite out of her little throat yum 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 Right, and she's like, Fred made me do it. Fred made me chop up her body and feed it to the dog. He said it was funny, but it, it wasn't really that funny. It wasn't me that ate her breasts. It was Fred. He said it was yummy. Fred made the belt of nipples, not me. <laughs> One of my notes is this seems like a wonderful movie for future erratic dysfunctional women. Like an inspiration in the sense of like, people may think you're crazy now and you may be driving your husbands and your parents and your friends crazy with your totally erratic, uncontrollable, uh, impulsive behavior, but there is hope for you and you will sort of get it together one day. Yeah, that's what the that's what the the lesson of this movie seems to be. I mean, there's an argument to be made that this is a very psychologically complex movie about the ways that we grow up and the compartmentalized no. trauma and the way that no. we deal with emotion. Shut like, up. Well, the way children try to process emotions, Shut up. you know, in in ways no. that aren't always healthy and um, stop it. This is like an argument for people who live in a nostalgic mind and don't want to watch actual adult movies. Like watch an adult movie or at least like a movie that is 
trying to contend with these ideas. It is trying to contend with those ideas, just, you know, in a fun way that kids can engage with, you know? I disagree. Welcome to 30 Years Later. I'm your reluctant host, Ricky Camilleri. You sound so pissed tonight. Joined by my co-host, Chris Chafin, who uh, just drove six hours with his wonderful family in a car. I think that's probably a great way to chase um, having to watch this movie. I just watched this movie and have not had a chaser yet. Oh, really? So, so you're fresh. Uh, I'm 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 fresh and fried, baby. Fresh and fried <laughs> from 1991's Drop Dead Fred. This is a movie that came out in 1991. It was initially set to be directed by Tim Burton and um, Robin Williams was going to star, but both of them dropped out. And uh, it stars Phoebe Cates. And um, what's the, Rick, Wa- Rick Mayall? Rick Mayall, yeah. From The Young Ones in the UK. And it's um, directed by uh, a guy, a, a, a Dutch guy, um, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, it's directed by a Dutch guy named At de Jong. Um, I'm not Dutch. I don't know how to pronounce that properly. And you can tell very much that it's directed by a European <laughs> because of the because of how Ron Eldard looks in the movie. <laughs> So Ron, Ron Eldard looks know. like Ron Eldard playing like Phoebe Cates's like second love interest in this movie. And yes, and he looks like an average Joe European. <laughs> right? Like he has like blonde like he has blonde hair, blue eyes and he has like a weird European kind of crew cut and he has an earring. He looks he kind of looks like, like he just walked off of a Dutch movie set. It's like yeah, like Owen Wilson as imagined by a Dutch person, you know. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and um, I think there's something European those... too and just in the way Fred looks. So the character of Fred, he's wearing these bright green suits all the time and like has his hair sticking up crazy. He looks very much like a European's idea of a clown. Isn't that how he dressed on the young ones? No, not really. I mean, kind of it was how he dressed, but kind of not. I mean, he didn't wear like bright green suits. He dressed kind of like a, I don't know, like he was like, he's supposed to be an annoying anarchist kind of person. Uh, he's wearing like really tight pinstripe vests, like that kind of thing. It also stars Carrie Fisher, um, who uh, I knew while watching the movie. We'll get to it. But one of the facts of the movie is that Carrie Fisher rewrote some of her dialogue. Oh, is that true? And there is That's a, actually really yeah, cool. and there is a specific there's a specific scene in the movie that I was kind of like, yeah, Carrie Fisher wrote this. Uh, we'll we'll get we'll get to that in a minute. It was actually filmed at Prince's. Uh, studio in Minneapolis. Oh, really? Paisley Park. It was filmed there, and at night when no one was around, <laughs> Prince apparently would go on the set and play with stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that rules. That 100% rules. So the movie is about a, a, a grown-up woman who in her 30s is um, failing at life, and um, in the midst of her failures, her husband leaves her, she loses her job, um and um she gets robbed uh all kind of her fault um except for the husband <laughs> the robbery thing is not and i mean it's kind of her fault but like not really she left she left the purse sitting on her passenger seat and the car was like it was locked because don't, don't they smash the window to, to take it yeah they smashed the window yeah yeah, yeah. Um, why would you do such and a thing? yeah in the midst of her crisis, her personal crisis, her childhood imaginary friend showed much to the chagrin of her mother, who hated this childhood friend. Her childhood friend, uh, named Drop Dead Fred, title of the movie, 
shows back up in her life to wreak havoc and to convince everybody she rightfully convince everybody that she's crazy. Right off the bat, when she gets dumped by her husband, or he's already dumped her, it doesn't make any sense because why would she want to be? He's so terrible and not even comically terrible. It's um Tim Matheson, who uh, you've seen in like The West Wing and he was in Animal House. But anyway, she goes to see him at the car dealership where he works and he says something to her where he says like he's fallen in love with this other woman, Annabella, who turns out to be at the end of the movie, Bridget Fonda in a very brief show. And so you have Phoebe Cates and Bridget Fonda in one scene, which is like two, like two like extinct animals in the wild. (laughs) And it's amazing because they like each other, even though the movie is set up where they should hate each other. They're like really vibing and it's (laughs) fantastic. And they're both, they're both so stunning. Yeah. Um, But Tim Matheson, while he was breaking up with her, he says, I've fallen for Annabella. I'm like a piece of veal pounded flat with a salad on top. I have no idea what that's supposed to fucking mean. That's how he was. That's what that's he. What his beauty. That's, how he that's he what his her beauty has done to him. Is that? Yeah, the force he says of his he's, love. He's, is, he's like a piece of veal pounded flat with a salad on top. Like that doesn't. I get like we're supposed to get that he's like a fancy schmancy, you know, asshole who like you know drives a Ferrari or some shit and sells cars and. But at the same time, like who? No one would ever talk like that. Nor would they be able to land any any women if they talk like, like let that on phoebe cates and bridget fonda <laughs> like yeah and if phoebe cates is like you know there has to be some i know that this is the thing it can't be a movie a, about like trauma and reflecting on these things when like you're giving me no sense of reality whatsoever and even the main character the drop dead fred has no rules there are no rules as to what drop dead fred can or can't do does he exist only in her mind or in reality well, i think this is one is of the major doing- questions about the movie right like does he exist does he not exist and i think the movie kind of can't make up its mind you know like yes the movie is like he doesn't exist he's an imaginary friend but the kids end up she and the other and who whoever else have these end up pulling off things that only an only like an adult could set up right like only adult could only an adult could rig it's like a a a a trap for a babysitter to get hung up by their foot (laughs) like it's not it it couldn't be a six-year-old kid yeah but so you see right from the beginning this discrepancy between like you know trying to set up a character that you don't like but then also give the main character some sort of uh initiative or action towards wanting that person but you're like why would she ever have wanted this man she's a quirky weird person well ricky that's the emotional journey that we're on throughout the film is watching her come to that realization that she should not want him but she's so like emotionally stunted before the reemergence of drop dead fred that she doesn't like understand this about herself why would he want her? They were apparently married for a couple of years. That is a that is a mystery. That is a mystery the movie does not solve exactly. Like she looks like Phoebe Cates, I guess number one. Like that's a big part of it. And he just gets to be like uh he's the in charge of everything and she just does whatever he wants all the time. But that's the thing about uh, about movies like this some sometimes is that like, oh, this person's been married for two years. Like no one they don't take into account that like a marriage is like time spent together. People get to know each other. They don't, they wouldn't just be like 
total strangers. I mean, I guess it's a kids movie. Sorry, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Ricky, are you like, are you, are you emotionally stable? And do you need an imaginary friend to get you through this episode of the podcast? The other thing is that, like, she doesn't seem particularly broken up about the beginning. In the beginning, about the marriage, you know, she's like trying to get him back together and stalking him at work, and he's clearly an awful person. He's a cartoonishly awful cad right in this but at the same time there are moments where i was like she's being creepy she needs to go away yes like like because she's not crying she's not really broken hearted she's just like i want to get back together with him i'm going to get back and following him around and making calls she never seems desperate she never seems i mean maybe that's it is she emotionally stunted in that way there's really no emotional range on the part of phoebe cates in this movie. well i mean so right we're I think we learn over the course of the movie that she's a severely emotionally disturbed person. Like if you posit that drop dead Fred is not real, then Phoebe Cates is like, should be institutionalized. She is deeply, deeply disturbed as a human being. And, you know, I don't know to what extent she's really playing that in the beginning, you know, but like, yeah, she is doing some things that are genuinely weird and creepy that you find yourself thinking like, uh, this is not okay. Like none of the stuff she's doing here is okay. I know this is a kid's movie and this is like heightened reality, but this is all co- completely fucking insane. Oh, well, I mean, in the first scene with uh, what's his face? Um, Tim Matheson, like he says to her, he says like, oh, I've fallen in love with Annabella. And she goes like, oh, and he goes, I know what you're thinking. I should go live with Annabella. Okay, bye. <laughs> and like, that's his. It's another instance where like Steven Seagal <laughs> in Out for Justice, which we talked about last week, you're kind of on the side of all the people who are against your, your main character. Yes, 100. Well, I mean, right. So do you, well, we should talk some more about the plot, but basically like he, they break up, she loses her job uh, and she gets her car stolen. And then her mom somehow knows about this, which is kind of left as a question mark. How in the world her mother could have figured this out? Like shows up at her apartment and uh, starts saying to her like, okay, you're going to come back with me to the, to the house. And she keeps saying like, oh, I'm not going to, I'm mom, I'm not going to go back with you to the house. And then there's like more talk and her mom's like, come on, we're going to the house. And she's like, mom, I'm not going. And then like smash cut to them at the house. Right. But like that whole thing, I think was, that's the beginning of when I started to think like something very weird is going on here because like, why did her mother show up? Why has she somehow been able to convince her to move home just because she like, got her car stolen and had a fight with her husband. Like it just seemed very strange that her mother would have this level of control over her. And it's when you start to realize like, okay, so they like extremely fucked up is going on in this, in the world of this movie. Well, there's like, but there's like a scene missing because there's no convincing whatsoever. It's like, Nope, you're coming home with me. And she's like, I don't want to. And then she's home. Right. Because up until this point, she has seemed like, I mean, okay, she's had a run of bad luck, but she basically seems like a functioning adult. And so yes. you're like, why? I was just picturing myself as Phoebe Cates. And I was like, I would just, I would just not do this. <laughs> you know, if, if my mother and showed like, up at my house and end, demanded I go back to my childhood home with her, I would simply not do it. You know, like. And, and the mother's intentions are revealed at the end of the movie that like she's a control freak who has no one and everyone leaves her. And so she's trying to like, you know, cage her daughter so that her daughter doesn't leave her too. And she sees this as a moment, as an, as a, time for her to do that but then that also doesn't really jive with the rest of the movie because she keeps trying to get her daughter back with the husband right so it's like what does she want does she want her daughter to stay with her and and be the only person close to her and she can abuse her all the time or does she want her daughter to marry 
Tim Matheson, Charles. Yeah, because it does make it seem eventually like somehow Tim Matheson and the mother are like in cahoots. Like they've like arranged yes. for him to marry her or something. Do you know what I mean? And she's saying things like, oh, I've been talking to Charles and, you know, he'll take you back. And and you're like, but then right later on, it's like, oh, she only, she doesn't actually want her to leave. I think it's like, what you were saying about it being like a Steven Seagal movie, like being on the side of everybody else in the, except the main character. Like once I learned later on in the movie, how severely emotionally disturbed Phoebe Cates, character was, I was like, Oh, well, no wonder her mother showed up and made her come home immediately afterwards because <laughs> she knew she was about to have a violent psychotic break. And the only way to keep her safe was to bring her back to her childhood home and like lock her inside. It's like, she's a fucking werewolf basically, you know? <laughs> Right, she's like, oh my god, her imaginary friend is going to show up again. She's going to start destroying everything around yeah. her. We have to lock her in a room. The only you know, way we can possibly can keep her safe is to lock her in in a room and heavily medicate her, and like maybe this will pass, you know. And I got to say, that's more sensitive than committing her. It is. That's like a lot of a. That's like trying really hard on the part of the mother. Exactly, because it's like it would be so easy for her to have just, yeah, put her in an institution as a child. Like, the things, I mean, we could... And the only person who, like, gets that, like, the only person who likes the way that Phoebe Cates is behaving with Fred is the new love interest played by Ron Elder, who you can't help but wonder if he's slow. He's just always like grinning mo- in this way. Yeah, like he's been kicked in the head by a donkey and he's like Yeah, exactly. And like she's trashing a restaurant for no reason. He's like, I love this. <laughs> You're so free and wild. <laughs> Me too. Like, Maybe I want to like, do it, huh? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Like, she's acting bananas. Get her out of there. She is a red flag. Oh, but he's like, hey, wow, it's so neat. <laughs> I like to throw Yeah, he's like, I I love red flags. I can't wait to fuck up my life. I just have a daughter. I'm getting a divorce. But I mean, he is, you know, in the world of the movie, he does come across as sweet because everybody else is so angry at her all the time, you know? Rightfully, rightfully angry at her. She's destroying shit. Fred is an obnoxious piece of shit who's destroying things with her. So we get home, like, after this psychotic, after this, all these events, the mom gets her home. She, we see her pick up and unwrap the tape around an old jack-in-the-box, and out comes magical creature, her imaginary friend, Drop Dead Fred, as played by Rick Mayall, in, like, a big green suit with spiky hair, a crazy British accent, and then the whole rest of the movie is this kind of double story of when she was a child and she first had Drop Dead Fred, and now, currently, that she has Drop Dead Fred. And, like, the things that she's learning from this relationship and the function that he's playing in her life, I mean... Yeah, should we like I don't I don't even exactly remember the order the scenes go in from here. It's just it's a lot of like cart it's a lot of cartoony stuff of him like getting his head squashed in the refrigerator and like crawling under somebody's it's dress flat. and looking up their skirt and like he crawls under a lot of dresses. Like why is it okay for Fred to do it? Why is it okay for Fred like when to I crawl do, when, under? When I do when I do it, you know, I'm arrested. But when why Rick is Mayall it when does women it, it's would, cool. When women watch Drop Dead Fred do it, it's fucking adorable and cute. And it's like, you know, a piece of their psyche that they long forgot. But when I do it... Yeah, it's really not fair at all, Ricky. I mean, while you do it, you are going, mm, num, num, I hate women. Num, num, num. Is, is, if, if you accept the world that Drop Dead Fred is uh, her imaginary friend and he doesn't exist, right? 
then it's like sh- it's it's you're supposed to these are all things phoebe cates is imagining and and especially like as a little girl she's imagining this kind of stuff you know so i guess that's why it's cool is because it's like ladies thinking about other ladies pussies so like that's fine you know if it's a i mean he's still it's still an image of a man crawling up women's dresses yeah i mean it's not fantastic i'm gonna agree with you on that (laughs) It's definitely has some issues with it, but I think that like, yeah, I could on a conceptual level. That's why it's okay. And now we're kind of glossing over going specifically through the plot, but basically the whole middle of the movie is just like, yeah, I guess the plot is like, she's trying to maybe get back her ex-husband and then maybe going to go out with uh, Ron Eldard. And meanwhile, in the past, we're seeing her deal with the divorce of her parents, all with the help of quote unquote of drop dead Fred. But really what's happening in all these scenes is like they're misbehaving in the fucking craziest way you could possibly imagine. Like in the in the past, she's like breaking windows with the hammer and she's like putting there's like this whole climactic scene where they make these mud pies. They have covered the entire dining room table in mud and they're like throwing mud everywhere and like walking around in it. They're filthy, you know, and um, and in the present, in the present, she's tracking dog shit into her mother's house and jumping all over the furniture. She sinks Carrie Fisher's fucking houseboat where she lives. And she's throwing plates of food around inside a restaurant, you know? So let's talk, let's, let's, let's talk about the mom and then let's talk about uh, Carrie Fisher. And we can just do the whole arc of the mom for this, for the sake of this conversation. This poor woman. Yes. This poor fucking woman who, whose husband was clearly a piece of shit. Like, I don't care that he seems more sympathetic in the flashback scenes. Guess why he gets to be more sympathetic? He's doing none of the work. He left. He left. He disappeared. He he left. He just disappeared. And before he disappeared, we see him doing none of the work. He's sitting there reading in a paper and getting annoyed that she's trying to discipline her daughter who's destroying the house, right? And then the daughter and Fred make a mud pie on the, the, the table which has like a nice tablecloth on it. And oh my God, the gall of this woman to get upset. She's just like, what are you doing? How could you do this? She's like, you cannot keep doing these things with Fred. And yeah, her husband's like, right. She's like, she's like, you destroyed my tablecloth. And it's supposed to be another one of those sort of like, anti-materialistic 90s like it's like it's like american beauty when she's like don't spill your drink on the sofa and he's like it's just a fucking sofa yes why aren't women allowed to have things that they like why can't we have nice things ricky (laughs) like 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 i don't understand it's like as soon as a woman like as soon as like a housewife in in these movies in the 90s likes something it's suddenly like oh what a shallow bitch shallow oh Oh, she doesn't want me to ruin the entire dining room with mud she doesn't want me to jump around in dog shit and smear it all over the couch what an uptight square this thing that she probably like took her free time out of raising her daughter basically alone to pick out and is now being ruined by her daughter and her daughter's blaming it on an imaginary friend, which at this point is seeming like psychosis of some kind. So this woman is scared. Plus her husband's not helping out. And when she comes up with some solution, which is she's going to tape the box that Fred and this daughter and this girl's imagination comes out of. Right. The husband's like, this is unfair. You're being terrible. You're being terrible. And it's like, no, she's not. She's like not hitting the kid. She's hiding the box that like is a part of the kid's imagination that makes the, the thing that comes out 
and makes her do bad and things. And apparently it is happen. 100% successful because then Drop Dead Fred yes. disappears for fucking 25 years or something. And it's like a perfectly night like fine thing for a parent to do right like okay drop dead fred lives in here well now there's a big tape over it and he can't come out anymore like that's fine you're acknowledging the reality of fred and you're not killing him and you know you're not committing her to an insane asylum like you were saying right you're not hitting the kid hitting the kid you know to get the kid like you're you're that's actually like fair like pretty decent parent i mean ricky i have to say like as a parent myself like this movie was a fucking horror movie to me. Like imagining my daughter being like six or seven years old and doing the kinds of things that Phoebe Cates' character is doing in this movie. Yeah, to completely destroying the house, smashing the ha- window with hammers, like cutting all her hair off. I was like, this, I don't know what I would do. I, I was thinking like, oh my God, would you have to like commit her? Like we'd be in therapy all the time. Like, oh Jesus Christ, you know? But somehow the movie wants you to think the mom is the villain for like, not liking and then when we when we see the mother you know in 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 present day and the mother's like even more uptight and really scared it makes sense like her husband left her daughter is having is in the middle of a nervous breakdown seemingly like this woman is scared essentially like like, the her daughter is like like it's Fight Club, like for Drop Dead Fred is Tyler Durden. Like she completely has a split personality. Yes. I mean, imagine being the mother and watching your child run around and destroy the house, and then just turn around to you and go, "Fred did it." Of course, you'd be like, "Fred didn't do shit." Like you did it. Like what is wrong with you? And she's like, "No, it was Fred." You would be like, "I would be so frightening," you know, and you would be so angry. Yeah, if you're so adult, angry. If your adult daughter was saying that, oh my god, yeah. Like if if you went and got your daughter and made her stay at your house because you were afraid of what was going to happen if you left her alone and you woke up and there was dog shit all over the entire living room, like, oh my God, you would just be like, I don't know. I cannot do this. I would just think I cannot do this. Like you're an adult. You have to look after yourself. You cannot be here anymore. But the mom continues to look after her, you know? Yeah, the mom continues to try. She gets her a live-in nurse. Yeah, it takes her to a psychologist, a child psychologist, which is supposed to be like an insult because she's the whole thing is supposed to be the mom is like infantilizing her. She's making her dress like a little kid and treating her like a little kid, taking her to a child psychologist. And this is supposed to be like proof of what a controlling narcissist she is. And, you know, she can't handle that her daughter is growing up and stuff, blah, 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 blah. But like, I mean, don't you think that like in the end, when the mother says that like you're, it's your fault, your father left, and all Phoebe Kate says is like piece of shit, yeah, or like you know that's, that's a, a, that's a pile a of shit. shit or something like that. She says pile of shit to her yeah. mother. Like, wouldn't it? Why not just give it the movie like a better, softer beat where she says, "Mom, I know you're hurting. You've had a hard time, and it's been difficult." but it wasn't my fault. And you're only going to make things worse by saying something like, you know, like right. give Phoebe, give the the mother and, and Phoebe Kate some kind of dignity in their relationship yeah. rather than just sort of villainizing her empowering. because it's supposed to be empowering for Phoebe Kate's right. She's finally standing up for herself, you know, bullshit. I mean, she can do that while also like empathizing with this woman who's had a pretty hard time right. and who is like, 
you know, obviously she's been a complete terror to this woman for her entire life, you know? And, you know, you should never say to a child, like, you're the reason your dad left. And, of course, in the world of the movie, that isn't exactly true. But even in the world of the movie, it's still kind of true, you know? It still does have to do with the whole, her whole misbehaving and acting out and stuff. So, like, okay, yeah, you shouldn't say that. But it's like, I don't know. She's not wrong. She's not, like, not really wrong. So I, I'm team mom in this movie, oh, yeah, even though she that. says some horrible things in the end, like mothers say horrible things to their daughters. It just happens. I mean, of course, she's the villain of the movie. You're not supposed to like her. And she does do some like really disgusting, you know, he's just, like disgusting things to her daughter and is obviously a piece of shit also. But I mean, putting myself in her shoes, I don't know how I could have done anything all that differently. Except, yeah, get her extensive, extensive therapy when she was a child. Like, like an incredible amount of therapy. We don't know that she didn't. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Carrie Fisher in this yeah, movie so a little very bit? weird that Carrie Fisher is in this movie at all. I was very surprised. I think, I think the weirdest scene of the movie is after Phoebe Cates and Fred destroy Carrie Fisher's boat, Carrie Fisher lives on a houseboat, which is really cool. And then, yeah, Phoebe Cates sinks it in a scene that's supposed to be funny, question mark. But I, again, was just like, her fucking friend lives there. This is awful. Yeah, she just destroyed her friend's home. Yeah, she destroyed her friend's Um, home. Yeah. But they go to Carrie Fisher's office. They go to where Carrie Fisher works, Phoebe Cates does, to tell Carrie Fisher about the boat. And Carrie Fisher's in the middle of a meeting, and she comes, steps out of the meeting, and it's like glass, uh, glass walls. You know, people can't hear, but they can all see each other outside of the, the the conference room and stuff. And she tells her, and she says, "Fred did it. Fred did it." And at this point, um, Kate has like mentioned, told the story of Fred to Carrie Fisher, and Carrie Fisher has been a very sent, like nice, empathetic friend. But she has no reason to believe that this adult woman is like doing things at the behest of her fucking imaginary friend. Right. Um, but instead, Phoebe Cates looks in the conference room and says, Fred's in there. He's sitting next to Bert, who happens to be Carrie Fisher's boss and lover. And Carrie Fisher, instead of being and he's like, married. shut up. Yeah, shut up. Get out of my office. We'll talk about this later. Goes into the conference room, speaks to the empty chair, which is Fred in Phoebe Cates' eyes, speaks to the empty chair like a child, wheels the chair out into the hallway of this office building and starts strangling, like air strangling, sensibly Fred, who in Phoebe Cates' mind is no longer sitting there. He's now standing next to Cates watching and then throw air, throws him on the ground and starts air stomping him, making a total scene of herself. And everybody is watching. Now, I'm, what? Like, <laughs> what question? I want to know. I want footage of the questions Carrie Fisher was asking the director before doing that. Like, why would I leave a meeting to do this? Why would I do this? this, Yeah. This otherwise totally self-possessed woman would suddenly lose all sense of reality. I mean, you could argue that that happened because she just lost her home. And if that's the case, then her, there should have been a bit more of a buildup to her doing that because prior to her actually doing it she's like oh he's sitting right there okay hold on let's go let's go get him she's very calm and rational so it's not really played that well nor written for her to get that upset 
it just doesn't make any sense. And it's another grueling, excruciating scene to, to, to watch another scene of embarrassment where you're like, Oh God, stop humiliating yourself like this. <laughs> right. Cause it's supposed to like, the joke is that she thinks she's strangling Fred. Uh, and he, she's not, and he's standing there watching with Phoebe Cates. Right. And so it is just like, it's a pretty long shot of her like air strangling and kicking and jumping up and down. And it is like very cringy. It's very hard to watch. It's very, very silly. You know, it's very, very silly. Silly, silly implies funny. It's not, it's really not funny, but you're right. I think it's supposed to be some kind of like sublimated anger thing, but you find yourself. Yeah. You're just like, why in the world would this woman do this? Like, first of all, Phoebe Cates just told her that she sank her house. So like, she should be way more upset. She should be like extremely upset, you know? And right. Like you're, she should be strangling. Phoebe she's screaming at her. Like you, you destroyed my house and we got to see the house. It was really cool. She lived on a cool houseboat. Like before it happened, I said to Catherine, like, wait, she just lives on a houseboat. Like what in the world? Like, this is amazing. It's just like at the dock. She has a houseboat. And then, yeah, somehow Phoebe Kate sinks it. I don't know. I, I was like, so okay, she's at work. And first of all, why would why would why would Phoebe Cates go to find her at work to tell her? She couldn't wait until after work, like, or call her on the phone or something. I mean, I guess it shows a certain amount of courage to do it in person, but even at that level, I was like, there's no fucking way. Like nobody would ever do this. This is completely insane, you know. I don't know why there's no bridge between her not taking it out on Phoebe Cates and taking it out and believing that in Fred or like is she doing that because she wants to help Phoebe Cates? I think that's what we're supposed to think is that's the read we're supposed to have is that she's trying to help Phoebe Cates. Phoebe is like, because obviously it's gotten to such an extreme at this point that now she's like sinking houseboats. So she's trying to, you know, like, like help her free her of this, you know, like affliction by like act just like the mom did, like taping up Fred. She's trying to be like, ah, he's gone. He can't bother you anymore. Um, which is kind of a combination of like being angry at her over the situation and also wanting to help her friend who's again, obviously deeply emotionally disturbed and having an ongoing psychotic break, you know, like where she really is in need of serious psychiatric intervention, like immediately, but is instead walking around causing complete havoc, you know, um, hundreds of thousands of dollars in damn property damage, you know, like ruining her relationships with her friends and family, like in terms of ruining her relationships with friends and family, another excruciating grueling scene where it's just so clear that Fred is a monster and does nothing for her is her dinner with Ron Eldard. Right. Right. So they're out to a date, her and Ron Eldard, who's her new love interest. She's very excited at this point. Things are kind of off with uh, the husband. And so they're going on a date and like they're sitting in this restaurant and Fred just starts grabbing plates off the table and trying to throw them around. And we're supposed to, in her mind, she's having some kind of battle with Fred to keep him from doing this. Right. Um, But then we're seeing it. This is one of the only scenes where we don't really see Fred at all. Like it establishes that in like, 15 seconds. And then the rest of the scene is just Phoebe Cates and Ron Eldar at a table. And Phoebe Cates is like, hands are flying around and like, she's like fighting with the plate. And then eventually she throws the plate. Uh, and I will say this is one of, I thought this is like one of the only good scenes in the movie. Like it is, it is, a, a, it does show Fred to be monstrous. Cause he's just fucking with her. 
He's not, there's not, this is not accomplishing a goal of empowering her in some way. This is just fucking with her and sabotaging her life and causing destruction. God, it was so impossible to watch. You just, you're just like, it's one of those moments you're not laughing and you're just screaming, please don't do this. Please stop doing this. This is so embarrassing. I kind of, I like, I, I'm, that is going to be at, at the end of the show, my favorite part of the movie is this one scene just because it's like the only scene where we're getting we're really getting to see phoebe cates like do something and like be cute and do some like physical comedy on her own instead of just laughing meekly as fred does some physical comedy do you know what i mean um so i liked that i wish the movie had had more of the stuff like this like this scene more of her getting to be the the agent instead of just fred getting to be the agent you get to see like what Phoebe Cates looks like to other people. Right, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, it's only with Ron Eldard who's endeared to it, which is insane. Yeah, and I mean, it is. I was, again, thinking, like, this is a horror movie. Like, she does, like, literally fling her plate full of food, like, directly past someone's head, and it, like, shatters on the wall. It looks extremely dangerous. Like, she almost literally killed someone. And then, yeah, Ron Eldard does it, too, and you're like, this is just this should not. And then you were watching you're watching them get thrown out of the restaurant and he's kind of going like, hey, get your hands off me. And I'm like, you're lucky they just <laughs> threw you out of the restaurant. Like you should both be in jail. <laughs> like so there's a lot of like weird situations, like we're saying, where she's she's getting into their well, let me do this again. So there's a lot of like kind of sketchy setups where there's just a bunch of scenes that are just situations of Fred causing havoc. And one of them that I don't want to go over, well, I don't want to like pass by is a very 90s specific one which is a violin concert in the mall with which like with like people seated at seats in like the atrium of the mall like next to the fountain listening to like a classical concert on violins and she like runs up in the middle of it and like smashes a violin and causes havoc right again more proof of her being like completely out of her fucking mind but i was just like i love that this movie is a little bit of a dispatch from a universe where like this was a plausible thing that what you would run into in your day-to-day life (laughs) it's like um i want to say um you know we talked about the scene where the the child puts the mud pie on the table and then the father leaves and i I actually think that that child is the best performance of the oh, movie. Oh yeah, she's really good actually. But I mean, she's quite good. Um and there's even a great moment where she uh like right at the end of the scene after Fred's been locked up and like she's been in the hut and the father's left where she like puts rubs her hands over her eyes and like try like tries to stop herself from crying, yeah. but she is crying and it's like a really uh, I, a really beautiful moment with the child actor. And it was another time where I just thought, oh, I would like to just see this movie with children. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Because it is, a, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a children's movie, right? And I think people that have a... No, not watch it with children. I would like to see... I would like to see the imaginary friends with children most oh, of the movie, not with right, adults. Oh, right, I got you, yeah. You know, and it, it made, made me think it of... Made, the movie makes so much made me more think sense little, when it's him with children. Yes, and it made me think. Oh, yes, of course. The scenes with with Fred and the child are so much more fun to watch than the scenes with because Phoebe you understand like, that he has like he. You can it more makes sense that he's an imaginary friend because the things he's saying are the things a six year old would think. Like they're completely insane, like little kid logic things. So and it's but it's fun to see them bounce it off each other and because he's an adult and stuff. You know, it's great. I love it. 
Yeah, I thought that's I thought that stuff was was really good, and it reminded me of a movie that's kind of an imaginary friend movie, not entirely, but a much much better one, and that's Little Monsters. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. with Fred Savage, with Fred Savage yeah. and Howie and Mandel, Howie Mandel. <laughs> yeah. and and the Talking Heads' Road to Nowhere, which plays in the last act when they're trying to get from the like Little Monster Hell World back to to their to their home Hell World under the bed, um, right? Isn't that it's like. Yeah, yeah, he goes down to the hell world and he meets um Frank Whaley whose face melts oh, off God. almost like Indiana Jones. And style. it's like isn't it like if they don't get out of the hell world in like an hour they're going to turn into monsters forever, right? Yeah, and it's like <laughs> we're on a road <laughs> to nowhere and they're trying to get so home dumb. and like they come up from underground like on a beach somewhere and they get it they go to a payphone and he calls his mom and she's like, "Where are you?" and he's like, "Somewhere in California." I think something like that. I don't know if that's, that's exactly funny. it. That's great. Great stuff. And the scenes with the child too, it's, I think a lot more poignant because you're, you're supposed to be seeing this child who's going through a lot of trauma and is like having bad relationships with her parents and acting out and going through her parents, getting divorced and dealing with it with Fred in this, it, it kind of makes sense and is interesting, but yeah, the stuff with the adult, you're just kind of like, I know I keep bringing it up, but like literally imagine being 25 years old and walking all over your mom's couch with dog shit on your shoes and thinking somehow that she's the bad guy in that situation. You know, like there's a scene where Carrie Fisher, another Carrie Fisher scene. And this was the scene in the movie where I was really like Carrie Fisher wrote this scene. And it's when Carrie Fisher is um, speed walking while smoking a cigarette. Yes, yes, yes. And is talking about getting the endorphin rush of exercising while smoking a cigarette. And I was like, 100% Carrie Fisher wrote this scene. This is nobody. This, this scene is out of nowhere in this movie. Nobody has this sense of humor in this movie. Carrie Fisher was like, I'm going to do that. We're going to do this. It's going to be funny. And they were, they were right to let her do it. Cause it's genuinely, I think one of the only funny moments of the movie. And it's also just the kind of thing like, you can definitely, this is a real thing Carrie Fisher does. And these are her thoughts about it. You know, like it's great. It's yeah. It's very, very specific to her. Um, there's a whole like dream sequence of the movie, right? Yeah, where like, like the climax it's of like, the movie basically. Right. It's the climax where he takes her into her imagination, which for some reason is the Freddy Krueger house. Like yeah. literally like she floats. And then all of a sudden she shows up at this house, which looks at, like the nightmare on Elm street house. And then she goes and and like like almost like creepy Nightmare on Elm Street music starts playing, and then she goes inside, and her imagination is pretty weak. Like if that's her imagination, it's piss no, poor. It's actually super like, weird because it's like it's really cheap looking, and it's like the effects there are like lights flashing on the wall through stencils and shit. It's it's uh, I honestly was like we're kind of taken out of it at, at that point because I was like, why the fuck are they doing the weirdest, cheapest shit for the most emotionally important part so, of the movie? You know, like so cheap. I mean, the special effects in this movie are outrageously cheap. Awful, awful, awful special effects. I mean, yeah. the one effect that's kind of cool is him as the he cut when he's a green ball of energy and bounces around. I mean, that looks real ish. Like that's not a bad effect. I mean, I'm sure that's just like hand animation on film, but it like, it looks okay. You know, but then there's mm -hmm. other stuff. Like every time she sneezes, Fred flies through the air 
that's like an okay effect, not very good. And then the most famous awful one in the movie is he gets his head smushed in the refrigerator door and pulls it out, and then he has this giant pancake head, and it's this absolutely terrifying prosthetic head that's like a good like two feet tall and three feet wide, you know? I think that was my favorite part when I was a little it's, kid. I mean, it, the, I actually did actually laugh out loud during the scene because he discovers it's it's all fucked up by he's trying to go like phew and like wipe his forehead off. But when he touches his head, he realizes how big his head is. And then he's like, Whoa, like oh, that, that didn't make me laugh. I like that. Should we get to our, do you yeah, want to do questions? Do that sounds great. So you have three questions that we normally do at the end of this podcast. Oh God, energy, 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 energy. What was your favorite part of this movie from 30 years ago? Chris, I take this question to you. I think that, um, there's a real thing from the nineties where, um, like misbehaving kids stuff, right? Like we did Problem Child. Of course, there's Problem Child too. There's like Man of the House, First Kid, Camp Nowhere. There's a lot of media around the idea of children as like absolute hellions who are like, I guess, quote unquote, misunderstood. And that's why they're bad. But really the point of the movie is just to watch a child, like absolutely wreak havoc on everything around, you know, this is kind of, it's a lot of, it's a lot of adults are pieces of shit. Yeah. Adults are pieces of shit. And like, wasn't it fun to watch this kid fuck with them? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So this was a huge mode of, children's entertainment right i think you don't really get that anymore i think what's replaced that these days is like the kid is supposed to be wiser than the adults you know like young sheldon like that kind of shit like the kid is the smart one and the adults are stupid you know you're like the stock joke now is for the the kid to be the the mom and dad say something crazy and the kid is like what am i gonna do with you two like that kind of stuff. I don't watch. I don't. I don't watch Young Sheldon. I've never seen no. it. It seems like it's. It seems like it's for pedophiles. <laughs> hey, Ricky, what was your favorite part of the movie? My favorite part of the movie is the scene between Phoebe Cates and Bridget Fonda. Ooga! Oh my god, Ricky, what am I going to do with you, Ricky? What am I going to do with you? <laughs> Bridget Fonda is super, super hot in this movie, though. Like, honestly, when she came on screen, I was like, oh, that's Bridget Fonda. And then I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh, I audibly I went I like I was watch I was sitting there watching the movie. And when I recognized it was her, I like reflexively went Bridget Fonda. It's amazing. Like, I got very I got pumped. She's only she's in so few movies. Yeah. And the same with Phoebe Cates. So it is really like seeing these two. It, it's it's. It's just a weird coincidence that these two women who retired at the height of their careers just like walked away from acting happened to be in this one scene together. And like that to me that is, is so, so is fucking just weird. a strange yeah. coincidence. And I mean, seeing her, it's it's like great scene. It's like a, it's at this weird like wine tasting party. And so she's, Bridget Fonda is just kind of like wearing a nine. She's supposed to be like a hot girl, you know, then she's wearing like a nineties hot girl dress, which is like a mini skirt made out of crushed velvet, you know, or like a short dress made out of like crushed velvet. And her like, she just, she's just kind of playing, just like having fun at a party and acting sweet and stupid. And it was just really great. (laughs) She was really great at it. It was a lot of fun. And yeah. And then the, the husband comes over, Tim Matheson, and she goes like, Oh, like this is Elizabeth. Oh, you told me she was like da- like dumpier than this. And like she's like, I love her. You know, it was like it was fun. It was fun, and also they're both really hot. Yeah, Chris. You know this um this movie this movie came out thirty years ago, mm-hmm. and thirty years ago uh, was nineteen ninety one, and we just started this podcast last year, and 
it seems that every movie uh, we're going to be talking about back to this character is now. Is this, this back to this? Going to be in the nineties. What was the most nineties thing about this movie for you? You know, Ricky, at this point, I have to say, did you already ask me what the most nineties thing was, and then I asked you what your favorite thing was, or? Because I think maybe that's what happened. <laughs> so I think... No, that's not what happened. I asked you what your favorite part was. Oh, okay. Was. Well, that was the, my answer for the most 90s part. <laughs> my favorite part was just the scene where they... um That scene with the thing that the, uh, in the restaurant where Phoebe Cates is being cute and moving her hands around. Most 90s... Wait, what the fuck happened here? It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. This is fine. We can just keep going. This is great. <laughs> you tell me what the most 90s thing is. What did you think the most we, 90s we, thing We was? really... We... We... we, we our guests didn't show up, and we just torpedoed. No, it's fine. <laughs> what? It's to fine. It's fine. It's fine. Don't be so hung uh, up on what. What do you think the most '90s part is? It feels to me like an '80s movie, mostly. Yeah. It it doesn't really feel like a '90s movie. Um. I you know I would say the mom and like the way it criticizes her, but that goes back to ordinary people. Yeah. You know that that was that was a big part of that movie too. Uh, and that was like 81, I think, or 80, 80 or 81. Uh, and I don't, it's tough to say what the most 90s thing about this, this movie is. Cause it can't be Phoebe Cates. Cause she's really, you know, Mostly superstar 80s. of the eighties. Yeah, exactly. And Rick Weil and the young ones is the eighties as well. Rick Mayall. Mayall. Ricky, you need to give Rick Mayall the respect that he deserves. Says. <laughs> yeah. Rick, Rick might all. Uh, <laughs> It's been, hey, Ricky, it's been 30 years since this movie came out, like we keep saying. Um, what do you think, like, we've grown out of since this movie came out? Imaginary friends. It used to be, like, a big thing, right? Like, talking about kids' imaginary friends. Did did did, did yeah, you have I, an imaginary friend as a kid? I, I also think we've, we've really, we've grown, no, I did I not. I didn't either, and I didn't, um, and I felt, like, guilty that I didn't have one, because there was so much media same, about I it did, in the 90s, I was like, I guess I'm a fucking dumbass that I don't have an imaginary friend. Yeah, and I think I tried to pretend I had one a couple times, Yeah, you know? me too. Yeah, like, so. I, be, because of that, and I think, I, I, I feel like I would be like, I'm talking to my imaginary friend, mom, or dad, and they'd be like, what? And they're like, yeah, this is my imaginary friend. And they're like, what's their name? And I'd be like, I don't know, and I'd you know, like, I didn't really have one. <laughs> For me, I would just be like, "Oh, hey, what if there was some guy standing here and he was being real?" Uh, who fucking? I should just go do something. I should just go do something. <laughs> <laughs> that's a. Gr- I feel like I com- I completely agree with that, and I feel like that's how I have like lived my life <laughs> as an adult as well. You know, like. Like, hey, what if we like watch this like fun movie from when we were kids and pretended we were kids? Like, what if we didn't? We just act like adults and watch an what adult if we just movie. Did I don't want to do that. We genuinely wanted to do right now. Like, I can I can appreciate, I guess, a sentiment for Drop Dead Fred more so more than you know other movies that people seem to have nostalgia for. Like I, I appreciate Drop Dead Fred more than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Yeah, a hundred percent. Easy. Well, cause I mean, I know Easy. we were like kind of making fun of this, but there is some level on which the movie is about like emotional growth and like learning to un- love yourself and like that kind of shit, you know? So like, that's good. Yes. That's all good. It's just good. Yeah. But it's a, it's painful to watch. I mean, literally, again, I know I said that there is a scene where Drop Dead Fred smashes a window with a hammer. And this is during the the part of the movie when he's with the little girl. 
So I'm just imagining this little girl smashing a window in her house with a hammer. And again, the mom is the villain for getting mad about it. It's ex- it's mean. It's just mean-spirited. He's a bad person. Yeah, because it's like up until the, it's like a manifestation of her anxieties and her fears. And up until that point, it's kind of like lashing out at the people who are trying to control her. This is the only scene where it seems kind of like a, like a fear of success kind of thing is going on where she like, it doesn't think she's deserves being happy or something like that. No, no, at no other point in the movie does that seem to be what drop dead Fred is doing. I guess with the exception of maybe sinking the houseboat. Cause like, what's the fucking point of that? Like the best friend was not trying to control her and ruin her life or anything, you know? But he was trying to stop her from getting to Charles. Oh, right. Okay, okay, okay. But who cares? Who cares? She still destroyed her friend's houseboat. And guess what? Like, un, like, guess, guess what? Like, it's not all about you. And this is a movie where it, the, the, it neglects to inform its main character and its viewers that it's not all about you at all times. Yeah, right. Like, other like, people everybody are else people. is not a villain. Yeah. Yeah, everybody else is not a villain in your story. Your if that's how you view the world, you're probably the villain. Yeah, like it is. I mean, this is like in this old Kurt Vonnegut story about like everybody else in the world but you is just a robot designed to see how you would react in a given situation. You know, like there are people who go through life like that more or less, you know? And this is kind of like that. Yeah, they're called assholes. <laughs> Like they can't, they can't empathize with other people. They can't, you know, walk a mile in another person's shoe. They can only see the world via how it affects them. Right, right. And everything in the movie is about her emotional growth, no matter what, like havoc she wreaks on any other person. And the the metric that the movie is judging the other people by is how cool they are with getting their lives ruined by Elizabeth. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like Carrie Fisher is her cool friend because. Elizabeth destroys her home and she just goes like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And fuck that. No, you should be upset. She should be upset about that. And the mom is the villain for being like, please stop breaking everything in the house. Fucking ridiculous. I mean, for me, what we've grown out of, it's a lot of the same stuff we're saying, but like, also I think, um, this, the movie does kind of also have a level where it's like, if you get divorced, then it will ruin your child's life and they'll immediately go insane. <laughs> so, cause like, that's kind of what happens to Phoebe Cates. And then we see that's what has happened to Ron Eldard's kids also, or daughter also, um, which is like pretty, we don't necessarily have that attitude anymore. <laughs> like getting a divorce is going to turn your child clinically insane immediately. You know, like, um, 30 years later, drop dead Fred, not a good movie. Unless you're a woman with mental health problems. If you remember this movie and how it empowered you when you were eight, like great, you should definitely watch you're it probably again. Probably a psycho. You're probably a psycho with blaring red okay, flags. This is my wife. You're talking about. You're talking about my fucking wife. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Catherine. Catherine's amazing. She's great. Yes, exactly. And but but Catherine is amazing. No red flags. But on everybody Catherine. else is crazy. You're right. Everybody else but her.